dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. The man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Thinking about progressions. First to crawl. Then you walk, then you run, then you no, fly, then you fly, then you fly. Yeah. Then you transcend time and space. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Speaking of which, the voice that you hear is our executive producer, the one, the only, the man behind the desk, the man at the table, the man who makes sure everything runs on time, the man who does all the things that you can't see being done. I'm talking about the real Bo York. What's going on, brother? I get the guy in the chair cred. I'm, I'm just, I'm just still trying to process that. You I'm still trying to process winning that. producer. I mean, that is, you know, that producer. is actually something that could be said. That is it true. Could be said. Yes. That is true. Award-winning producer, the real Bo York. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> y'all know we're here doing the oral history of Pass the Mic. We want to hop right into it. When we left you last, <laughs> on our last episode, on our last episode, we were talking about processing Donald Trump. We were talking about the first. Really, I guess up until this point, four years or so from kind of the inception of Rand all the way up to Donald Trump. And so now we're transitioning into 2017. Now, mind you, in the middle of all of this is no less than 45 episodes to podcast episodes per year. So there's so many conversations we could bring up, so many things that stand out. But we want to remember the things that are top of mind that we call canon events. Now, for those of you who may just be tuning in, if you haven't heard part one, please go back and listen to part one. Pause this episode, go back and listen to part one because we have two disclaimers. Number one, we're giving the oral history, so it's gonna be a little bit of insider, okay? But number two, we're gonna be very honest, okay? We're gonna be extremely honest, as honest as we feel like we can be without disrespecting people, honoring them, things of that nature. But if we disagree with them, we may just say we disagree. If we feel like we were wronged, we may just say we feel like we were wronged. If we feel like we were pushed aside, maybe we'll just say that. You know, this is one of those episodes as we celebrate 10 years of this podcast. I so, just got this picture of the Kanye West moment. George Bush doesn't like black people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to let you finish, but I just had to say, January of 2017, a tremendous episode launches. We have, and this is funny- it's one of our last episodes with a white man. I think the only one after that was Rob Lee. Mm. We had Rob Lee. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had Rob Lee on. And then maybe a couple of others in passing. But of course, we're talking about Andy Crouch. Now, this was one of the episodes that post Donald Trump, it seemed like a really big get for us. I don't even know how we got on his radar or how we reached out to him. I don't know how this happened. Did we not have Michael Ware on after Andy Crouch? Oh, so that's that's true. Okay, so Michael Ware, who's a friend of ours. Okay, so we got Michael Ware, Rob Lee, Andy Crouch, and then now Dr. Michael Emerson. Those are our last four white men, it seems like. Not many. Not many uh, very few. Few, few, few and far between. Um, so it seems like we get Andy Crouch, and I think this was big for us because- 
there was a moment where we said, are we too radi- radioactive to have certain people come on the podcast? Are they just going to opt out? Andy Crouch comes on. He comes on to talk about his book. Then all of a sudden gets to talking about diverse churches. And I, I think I asked him a question about diverse churches. Now, mind you, Andy Crouch is like executive editor at Christianity Today magazine at this time. At that time. Yes, right. that's very important. It's a massive role, certainly most influential at that point, evangelical outlet. Christianity today. And I asked him about diverse churches. So, he said... So I'm not intrinsically concerned by the fact that there's cultural uh, diversity, even at the institutional level. But what I am concerned about is the history of how how that's been maintained, um, especially from positions of dominant culture power, out of a sense, honestly, of fear, um, which is, I mean, we're all, to some extent, motivated by, motivated by fear. It's one of the basic drives of human human beings. But when you have power combined with fear, you exclude, <laughs> uh, and you That's you good. limit your encounter with others. And that is that is the history of white Christianity in the United States, starting when we insisted that Richard Allen and his friends sit upstairs in Philadelphia at the Methodist Episcopal Church. And that is, that's what's really um, corrosive uh, in our, in our current lack of connection with each other. And I remember looking at the, I remember tilting my head to the computer like, oh, you want to keep your job? He said something about, he, he talked about Donald Trump having massive childhood wounds and making him an unhealthy, unfit leader. And he says, I'm being very honest. Like, he almost said it like, the way he said I'm being very honest is like, he just like literally like gushed his glass. Like, whatever. I'm being very honest right now. <laughs> and that episode went crazy. Like, I, I don't remember because... We'll talk about this in a second. We got hacked multiple times. Mm. So we don't have official download numbers. I'm going to give you some inflated download numbers later <laughs> of how many episodes it's larger every time. Estimates. Um, but people reference that episode all the time. Mm. They say that was an episode because it was one of those moments where it felt like he wasn't coming in half-stepping with us. And I think we had experienced, our audience had experienced so many people kind of keeping us at a distance, attacking us, kind of approaching these topics with kid gloves. He just went all in and said the thing. And it was like, oh, now later on I found out, and this is kind of a side note, that Andy at at one point in time had played keys at a black church. (laughs) So I said, oh, it all Uh makes sense. (laughs) So he he got an indoctrination and understanding, like he got an education on things from a personal level and standpoint right. that said, oh, snap, this makes all the sense in the world. But that was a big episode. So that Andy Crouch episode was huge. Then we have, I guess we should track back just a little bit to the LDR conference, which happened in 2016. <laughs> and apparently a big pastor Mike meetup, which I wasn't at. Well, the LDR it stands for Leadership Development Retreat. It was started in, I think, 2012. Uh, by Y. Plummer, who was in charge of African-American ministries of the Presbyterian Church in America at the time. And it was originally just like a recruiting tool for the PCA to get more black teaching elders, because to this day, only 1% of teaching elders in the PCA are black. Anyway, um, we continued it because it was also sort of like a family reunion, a chance for black Christians who were typically in predominantly white spaces to gather together for solidarity, refreshing, joy, all of that. So this year, I think it was in, yeah, so it started in Chattanooga. We took it to Jackson. Then we went to St. Louis. Michelle Higgins was the organizer. It was dope. 
And it was at this meetup in at LDR in 2016 that this meeting took place. Yeah, no, so we, we had kind of a meetup. It was at a pizza joint. We had maybe 20, 30 folks that showed up to that one. It, it was great. And it had been an amazing experience because we were able to connect with all these folks that we knew and also get to know some people that, you know, I mean, you know how it is in some situations where you know somebody online, but then you actually get to meet them in person. It kind of becomes IRL. something. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sitting at the uh, the meetup right next to this lady named Akimini Uwan. And Akimini and I are talking, we had, we had conversed before, but we never actually met in person. This is the first time that we were meeting in person. And so she was telling me about some things that she's got going on, some different things she's wanting to write, trying to kind of figure out what the next thing is. And at that at that same event, I think I had just come off of Christina's talk because she had like done a big, I think she was like a keynote or something that year, Whew, even before this. There was a lot of discussion broadly from listeners uh, on the fa- on the past the mic group, like, "Hey, past the mic is great from a black Christian male, male perspective. perspective. Where the women at? Right, 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 right. Because we've had even in, in Rand, like, there's been you know female team members, but even back then, it was very there was a lot of testosterone. Right, it was a very male like centric experience, and there was a lot of debate from time to time, like, well, hey, do we bring like a third female co-host? Right, which I was always kind of not necessarily against in the sense that I was always about platforming anybody, but you know, like, like there's a voice that is past the mic and there should be more black female podcasts. So there's this big demand that we've kind of experienced. We've gotten all this feedback for sitting there, having pizza with the Kimini, thinking through some different things. And through that discussion came this idea and truth's table was essentially born. Now, in those early days of Truth's Table, as Akimini's talking to Christina and Michelle, there's this question, because of the connection with Pass the Mic, I'm going to be acting as executive producer. Is this podcast a RAN podcast? Is Truth's Table about to be like the second podcast connected with RAN? Because, of course, we got Pass the Mic. And so there's, and there's a lot of discussion internally on this. There's a lot of different schools of thought. And the argument I always made is what we need now, right now, what the movement broadly needs right now, if we're Superman, we don't need a Supergirl, we need a Wonder Woman, was kind of the comparison. In order for it to be as powerful as it is, as it could be, didn't need that. Didn't need a female version of Past the Mind. Exactly. Needed something completely different, independent. Exactly. Own identity. And so we definitely, so there was this great relationship that was born as we kind of helped them in those early days. You know, if you go back and listen to the early, you know, episodes of Truth's Table, some great shout outs. And then also, ultimately, we wanted to make sure there was a collaboration that really showcased the partnership that existed kind of in those early days. And a little podcast that you guys, I don't even know where y'all were. Y'all were in like some some hotel room. We were in a hotel room. What I would say is it was, Truth's Table was a a quote unquote RAM podcast for a year, like its first season. Not like a, one season. It even it even said like it's you know in partnership with Rand eventually. I think it says special thanks to. I don't know. It, it gets a little you know. No, whatever. it said in partnership with because I remember it came and he ran the language by me. She was just like, "What do you think about this?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. Like you don't have to have it, but like if that's what you want to do, all like, right, cool. all right. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like we required it. It was just more like, oh no, that makes sense. Like of course we'd love to rock with y'all. We all rocking together. We had this crazy group chat like the five of us like. It was like we were peas in a pod. Like we were really like trying to figure this thing out. And then we went to Just Gospel Conference in Atlanta. And that's when we had the gender apartheid recording. But the big thing was it was co-signing, not 
like like yeah, over and over. Like that's that's what I think is important about right. that. Yeah. But anyway, no, absolutely. On. Yeah, I think that's important too. Like we definitely weren't exercising any sort of oversight over them, right? Or telling them what to do or this is we just a, like hey this whatever isn't a church. You know the yeah. the male women's pastor ministry. Yeah, exactly. ministry, is a covering yeah. for the woman to speak. Nah, it was nah. just more like. Yo, they they were new to podcasting. They didn't know specifically what they were doing yet in this space. They're like, we have Bo. Like, what do we do on the mic? How do we structure episodes? How do we do this? And I'm, I'm like, hey, I'll support you however I can support you. But they figured it out once quick. Y'all, once y'all have it, once y'all start going, I feel like, you know, after a couple of episodes, y'all are going to be incredible, you know? And they were. And so we had this conversation, this crossover. And I think the energy, when we were in the room, I remember feeling like, no matter what, this is incredible that we've got the five of us in the same room recording a podcast, which is historic in and of well, itself. Since y'all here and wow. you asked, we are talking about gender apartheid. Excellent. Uh-huh. You came uh-huh. just in time. Yes. Really, what we're talking about is the uh, division, okay, the segregation of the sexes within the church. So we understand that. We had no tech support. So the reason why it sounds like it sounds, I have no idea how to set up these mics. And everybody was just looking at me like, Tyler, how do we set up these mics? And I'm like, he's I don't the young know. tech savvy guy. In yeah, room. like I'm definitely not whatsoever. Like I'm like, okay, I don't know how, where I should set these mics up or how I should do this. And I, I couldn't get a hold of Bo or I didn't ask Bo or something. I think it was my fault. I was not invited to this event. Yeah, like we weren't even thinking like this was supposed to be like a this big thing. So record this episode. The audio's trash. I send it to Bo. Bo's like, what did you do? Um, <laughs> you know, he's like screaming, but he's like, hey, I can clean this up. I can make it work. This is going to be amazing. Like I remember he said like- The conversation, oh, I was like, this is incredible. It sounds terrible, but the the conversation is incredible. Because what we, we 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 came together, we knew we wanted to do this collaborative episode, but we were like, "What are we going to talk about? Like, what's like, what's yeah. the topic?" Yeah. And we like, it's three black women, so we're like, "Let's talk about misogyny, patriarchy in the church, and misogynoir." But there is no doubt that emotional expression is associated with women, and to the extent that we want to minimize uh, celebratory praise, that we want to. Uh, constrain um, a tearful worship in some ways I can't help but to think that's not tied to the fact that we see that as feminine and mm. therefore it's somehow deviant and not accepted in the worship service mm. that's so, so good we should wow. be doing wow. that. so I oftentimes see a, a very striking and very clear example of gender apartheid actually at Christian conferences hmm. and the conferences that I'm often invited to are often always have to do with race, racism, Mm -hmm. racial reconciliation, trying to do justice in those spheres, but yet completely um, ignore the toxic patriarchy that is so embedded within the church. And so you go to these conferences and you don't oftentimes hear from women on the main stage. You don't hear them giving plenary talks. Um, And so our voices are often silenced in these spaces where they should not be. Uh, particularly when women actually carry, and particularly black women, uh, start the movements and carry the movements and bring forth this justice. So I think that's... The same way we would tell y'all to dismantle white supremacy, we are demanding that toxic masculinity be dismantled for our flourishing, for our ability to live as unified people. It was an incredible energy in the room and it was really like just an in-group conversation. So this Definitely. is one of the quintessential episodes where we forgot white people would be listening. Like we were just talking amongst each other. 
and, and so we were loose. We were free. We were not like filtering. Yeah. Oh, we were very free. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I remember distinctly. Yes. <laughs> Michelle I'm Higgins to saying, get, "I'm trying not. I'm also establishing. Hey, if your kids are listening, you know what well, I'm saying. Like, I don't yes. want to just randomly be uh, out here. Yeah. But we microphone had shaped like pieces of anatomy. No one will hear me unless maybe I develop and design a penis-shaped microphone. Because if all you need to have is a penis in order to be heard, then maybe we should have a line of penis microphones. Because it, it is. That was one of my favorite quotes from any podcast I had ever produced ever in my entire career. Well, she, Michelle has a way of, with words. And, and that was another episode. Is go back, listen to it, the gender apartheid episode. That was another episode that, People hate listen to. Oh. And so this is the thing. So the episode releases. I'm in New York with my wife celebrating our two-year wedding anniversary. And so I'm in this spot in Harlem in this basement of this this person's house. And we're just celebrating our two-year wedding anniversary. And then my phone's blowing up. Texts are going crazy. So simultaneously, there were two different things that were happening. So number one, PTM the group was going through so much drama because people were white people were kind of showing their behinds. So white people were showing their behinds in the PTM Facebook group. So everybody's got me in these group messages, moderating these debates and issues. Like, should we kick this person out? Should we not? Should we step up? And I'm just like, fam, I'm, I'm getting ready to hop on a plane. Like, you know, and I didn't realize the urgency of, Oh snap, these are things that are like break a group. So then we knew we had to establish moderators who get the final word and admins enter Ali Henny, who becomes uh, one of our first moderators and then ultimately becomes the head of the moderation. And literally the first time I messaged, uh, Ali messaged me, she was saying something I was doing wrong. And it ended up, <laughs> now I just want, <laughs> yes, but, that continues to this but hold day. up, hold up. Just, I just want to say, I just want to say now, she eventually said, I see what you're saying and you were right. But uh, <laughs> you had to get that in there. Right, she's, not here to, that she's not here to shut me down. She's not here to shut me down. So it's like it's that that started our relationship as brother and sister, really. And um, and then all of a sudden all these things start popping up. So I'm dealing with this and I kind of like shut my phone down, pull my phone back up. The only thing I see is this long thread in Facebook, and somebody has tagged me in with pictures of my parents. Mm. And so mm. I didn't see anything but that. I mm. see pictures of my parents where I where I preach. You know, our home church address, all mm-hmm. that is like right there in the thread. And I remember I kind of like panicked because I was like, are people going to show up and like physically create an issue? I'm not going to be there this Sunday. So I like shut down, you know, so I like shut down and I was like, you know, I called my dad. I was like, listen, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's a security threat. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, because these people are wild. So I'd wild. never seen this much vitriol, all of this. And they were just attacking TT. They were attacking, you know, we were kind of getting the side swipe. They were mainly attacking TT. Yes, the black Um, There was a um, black PCA elder who called. If if your kids are listening, you know, you can mute mute this out or whatever. But there was a black PCA elder that called Truth's Table nothing more than ovaries wrapped in black skin. Yeah. Yeah, his name is Mark Robinson. So, yeah. So there was that that black PCA elders decided he was going to say that. And then, you know, all this stuff was happening. And then the next day, like a puts out in the group chat, like, yo, where are y'all at? Like, we need y'all, you know, and really like called us up, yes. you know, to say, well, now's the time we really need y'all to stand with us. Hmm. We know all these things are happening and going on and we love y'all, but like, we need y'all to like show up, 
you know, in this particular setting, because this is like, she was just basically like, this is go time. Yeah, black men need to defend black women. Um, and, and really be there be to, in solidarity with in solidarity. Right. You know what I'm saying? I love E. Like, I love E. Yeah. Like she is so bold in how she will speak truth to whomever. Just integrity. Whenever. And that's the thing. It's like integrity. Like it's like pure integrity. Like E has, she's not going to sell out for a check. There's no price Mm-mm. that you can pay her Mm-mm. to get her to sacrifice her convictions. And There's E and no I had become friends before TT. So yeah. E and I were really close before TT. And then when TT happens, now it even enhances because now we're doing this thing alongside of each other. And Through the fire. it was such a beautiful thing. Like for us, it was like that that reminder of, okay, this is yeah. how we... And so from then on now, it was like, no, we're 10 toes down with, with TT. Now at the same time, we're getting all these security messages behind the scenes. Like all these things where people are... You know, telling us we got to switch up how we move and all this because this could be serious threats, especially for TT. You know, we're going to encrypted text, like Bro, all these things that signal. people don't. It was insane. They were like, going after jobs. I mean, like, yeah. like jobs, you know, like physical. So tell, tell, tell them what what happened with uh, Michelle at her church, what they were trying to do. Main thing I remember is is specifically like they were calling the elders That's for right. those of us that were in the PCA, of right. which at the time Michelle was, and her father, obviously, like that's the other thing too, because as you mentioned, it wasn't just y'all individually, it was also your families. Mm-hmm. And so they were specifically going and tracking down anybody that had ties mm-hmm. to the PCA. And not only were they going after the the senior leadership in terms of the pastors, but they were going over the elders. Yeah. Like they were like were specifically like contacted to the whole group. Yeah, they like, spam. They spam emailed my church elders. They spam left voice messages on my. I've never said that, but they did. They spam emailed and left voice messages at our church. Michelle was in a a, a very tricky predicament because she was literally on staff yeah. as the worship leader at her father's church. Right. In the PCA. So they're basically saying, hey, your employee is violating the Westminster Confession of Faith and what the PCA says about women teaching and all of this stuff. So they're basically trying to get her fired. Thankfully, her daddy's a pastor. He's like, no, uh, that is not happening. Um, And just a man of integrity himself, right? But they did the same thing with me. It wasn't quite at the same level because I'm an intern. I'm not ordained. If I had been ordained, they definitely would have brought me up on charges, right. like formal charges and written letters to the presbytery and all that stuff. So like this podcast episode that wasn't yeah. meant for these people in terms yeah. of who our audience was, got a hold of it and ran with it to the point of like almost doxing us basically. Well, it, yeah, like it felt like that. It felt almost like we were under siege. And then that's when I started the refrain. And that's when I pulled Jamar to the side and I said, we can't change the reform. We we, we can't be the reformed African-American. Network. We got to change mm-hmm. the name. Like, that's when we started having the argument after gender apartheid. I'm like, these people don't care about us. They don't love us. They'll turn on us. This is just the start. We can't do this anymore. Now, mind you, at this point, I'm like, I think my time at Rand is winding down. So this was 2017. I started feeling like, mm, I kind of feel like I think my time might be winding down. And I felt like this because we went to LDR. And when we went to LDR, this was the following year. 2017. This was 2017. No, this was 2017. So the same year, gender apartheid. Right, right. We, we were planning to go to LDR. And I think before then, we went to Memphis. And we went, to, we, I feel like we went to Memphis before we went to LDR. Am I tripping? 
or was it LDR and then Memphis? I think it was LDR and then Memphis. Yeah. Okay, so LDR, so we go to LDR, yes. and everybody's been telling me it's a transformative experience. It's um, all this stuff, like it's amazing, you know, essentially how we talk about Joy and Justice now, Joy and Justice Conference, everybody was talking about LDR that way. And so I'm coming in expecting something, and I come in, and I feel like an alien and a stranger. <laughs> Like I'm serious. Like I, I was, I sat next to Ali. Like everything, it felt like it was not home for me. And I had this long rant in the van. Like, yo, I don't think these people are gonna rock with us much longer. Like I was just telling y'all. Like I was going off. I was like, yeah, I don't think these people gonna rock with us. Like they're not for us. Like, and I was really upset. Like it was a triggering feeling because you know how you feel like I was. I felt like I was getting like kind of placated, and uh, in a lot of different ways, there was a there was a situation that happened with. I forget, I forget who it was. Somebody said something to you. Yeah, so this was at Just Gospel. This right after gender apartheid, and I forget who it was. I think I know who it but, was. But Jamar, I, and so that I'm, I would say his name. I just literally forget forget who it was. But Jamar had um, a meeting with him about church planning stuff, church building stuff. And Jamar was kind of like, I don't think I'm really called a like pastor like that. I want to be an elder, but I don't think I'm really called a pastor. Um, he said, and I wasn't in the meeting. I was just off to the side, just waiting for Jamar to be done. He said, the person you really need to talk to is Tyler. Like, because Tyler's actually a pastor. Like, you need to talk to Tyler. And the guy didn't even look at me. He just points at me and said, I can't do anything with him. But anyway, back to you. Yeah. Like, it was just so dismissive. I was just sitting That's there what like, I was talking about in the earlier episode right, about these swipes. Flat. This yeah. is ridiculous. I was like, dog, bro. Like, it was just like, not even like. Hey, is that something you're interested in? I could talk to you later. Like nothing, just like straight dismissive. And I was like, oh snap. And that really like bothered me. And then when I went to LDR, it wasn't that people weren't welcoming. It was the most welcome I felt were people who were outside the PCA. Hmm. So a lot of people went to LDR because Pastor Mike talked about it. Now, a lot of people went for two reasons. Pastor Mike talked about it. And then also there was going to be, TT was going to be there. And then TT was doing a mashup with us. And that was a big year for Truth Table too, Huge because like Table. we had just launched season one and gender apartheid was massive. And there was a big outpouring of people wanting to show up and show support, which they did. And those are the people who I felt welcomed by. And so with, then we had the next PTM hangout there and that was Huge. It was like, it took over the whole piece of place. It was like 80 people. Canon moment. At that one, young lady steps up, calls into question, says, when does a black woman get a chance to be a little girl? You remember that? Yeah. Then you feel like, where's the space for black women to just be a child? Like, to just be a little girl. Right. It is a canon moment, because I remember that hit in a kind of way. I mean, if we could just, like, say this, you were so caught off guard by that, that I, I ended up having to edit that episode a bit to help out. Yeah, I, I didn't... I, it, I was too. I was totally caught up. It was such a raw, vulnerable moment. So, so what was so interesting is passing the mic led to a truth's table, led to black women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being heard in mixed spaces like that, where even I, as a black man, was like, "This is this is new. I I, I don't I can't wrap my head around this in terms of how I can be supportive and show yeah, solidarity." Yeah. Um, but I feel like there was like a philosophical, like, I don't know, like pivot to some extent. I mean, it was already kind of part of where our head was out trying to figure something, but there was, that was a, a that was, that was a critical moment. Yeah, it changed a lot. Yeah. So that summer though, 
Didn't we meet up in Jackson for a retreat and talk about the name? Was that that summer? Yeah, so that summer we did meet up. We did meet up. So it was already in the works. Kimini came that summer. She facilitated it. She facilitated. We brainstormed all these different names. All these different things. Okay, come on. I got. I got to just mention this. So this all happened at my studio. So your studio. At this point, like Potisteri had gone from an idea that we were doing in in my house into now I had a studio in downtown Jackson. Cornered the market in Jackson for podcasting. <laughs> Probably like the only storefront podcast in like the Southeast. <laughs> and uh, pseudo storefront, like in the back of like a pseudo abandoned. Nice. It was nice. Like, Exposed yeah. brick. It was great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, drum a sketch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it looked good in pictures. But no, like the we, studio was amazing. I'm just saying the building was sketched. Like we had we had a incredible. beautiful meeting room, beautiful because of exposed brick and exposed everything else. And then, but then the studio right there, there was so much energy in that meeting. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was a great group. Because out of that meeting, yes, what we're about to get to, which is the witness, mm-hmm. but I believe it's the first ever time that we had the whole team together in the same room where we could come up with podcast ideas and yes. concepts and literally go record it and immediately jump on mic. Bo was in a candy a, a store. difference in emphasis or something, it would be that we're not just talking about like racial reconciliation hmm. anymore. We're not talking about like people getting together in church. We're talking about justice. We're talking about righting wrongs. We're talking about right. systemic and institutional ills that have been carried on for decades and generations because of racism and white supremacy and all of these these things that are, um, you know, topics of conversation now. And so in that sense, yeah, we're talking about those things. And it may sound a little different because the times we're in are different. Right. But at the frequently same time, uh, on my mind and heart is just living in the South, living in the South in particular as black people mm. and uh, what that means, what it is and what it isn't, because it's pretty easy to caricature the South. Right, right. And so a lot of what I think about is what's really real and what ideas we need to sort of defuse and just tell people what it's really like down here. So what made you think about all this? Yeah, what yeah, was, yeah. What was the spark? Reniqua Allen. And she had an article We were in here. We were flowing. We were freestyling. We were getting the vibe right. And we started talking about something called a culture wars. Yes. Jamar, what you want to talk about today? I want to kill the culture wars. Kill. It's taken it's it's taken too many casualties so far, man. We gotta kill it. So let's talk about what do we mean and we, we created in that because at that point we were actually on a um let's say a season break. Let's say let's let's pretend like it was a planned season break. <laughs> I was gonna say quite unplanned. Spontaneous. <laughs> oh, we was tired of getting beat up, man. We was tired. Like but we have our we have our legs our under wounds. us then. Totally yeah. makes sense. But think about this. This is what happened. Because you know, finding the voice of what past the mic is and everything, then what happens? Contra Controversy gets people's attention, then controversy, then like all of these like traumatic attacks of people like bombarding you guys, bombarding Truth's table. It's getting exhausting because we end up being this kind of controversy like like sponge essentially. Yeah, magnet. So what happens at this meeting is we think about past the mic as we think about the episodes, we're establishing and refining and reintroducing. We even had a let us reintroduce ourselves episode voice where it was like, no, we're coming back. We're coming back strong. We come up with this suite of episodes that we know is so fire. We actually like promote them out like a week in advance, which is something we had never done. Yeah. No, we was, we was, we was in the zone. And when these came out, like everything that we had like attracted all of our numbers had been controversy. People were ticked off at us and so they were hate listening. And so for the first time, 
we were putting out episodes that people were tuning in, love listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's more that happened at this 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 particular meeting, but like I think it's important. Yeah. Because there's a tonal shift in the podcast that occurred right there at that meeting as we were recording these episodes. I think that was the first time also we had more people who matched our voice. Yes. So we had Aaron, Pastor Aaron James. <laughs> oh, you, see, you see, Aaron trying to wiggle his way onto you the know, podcast. <laughs> he trying to, he to get a permanent spot. Folk like, did we get a new co-host? He just trying to smooth on it. But that's cool, though. We love Aaron. He got Aaron, so how you much wisdom. Yes. I'm good. See, I just figure if you hang around long enough, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, you, you get to walk on even though you didn't have the scholarship. Right. So, hey, man, shoot your shot. You know, obviously, <sighs> L was there. You know, there were, it became something LD. where we opened up now. Oh, there are other people that can also hop on past the mic yes. and replicate the same energy that past the mic has. And it's not going to be us, but it's like, it's another person who's like, just like us. We you know, they do all the same things we can do. And that was like a big change. And so we carried that energy into October when we had our meeting in Memphis. So we had a live show in Memphis, which was nuts. Because we had a live show in Memphis on like two days notice. Coming up on part four of Not the Voice, the Microphone, the Pass the Mic story. Now the trade-off was we were expending so much energy and getting so many scars and at the same time not serving our core audience of black Christians as well as we could. So this is this is critical, right? Because at this time, the RAND team is in the process of becoming the witness team. Elodie Leroy, Aaron James, like like the three of us, like this was the like essentially kind of the new founders of this new organization yeah. as it was coming together right then and there. Sure. I was just like totally unprepared. Like it was like an interview. Like a non-recorded interview. I was totally unprepared. They're taking pictures with me. They're like, can I take a picture with you? And everything. I'm like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, snap. Like, people are actually caring in, in Cape Town. On another continent. In another country. On a whole yes. other continent. I'm like, what? 